Hi, this is Sandy Rios of Sandy Rios 24-7. Thanks for tuning in today. This is part two with Peter LaBarbera. We had quite the discussion about uh, kind of the history of the, the LGBTQ movement. And uh, this will be part two of it. We're also going to talk about Fox News and media, but mostly we're going to zero in on Fox News and how they have, well, come out of the closet, so to speak, on this issue. So you don't want to miss this. But meanwhile, we've been talking about the government, the presidency of Joe Biden. I want you to hear something. You remember that uh, last year, uh, so those of you that are longtime listeners of the morning show, uh, when we were at CPAC Dallas, uh, there was a whole delegation from Hungary, including the president of Hungary, Viktor Orban, uh, and we got to hear him speak, and I, I was on Hungarian television. And what I learned um, there was that there's a strong conservative movement in Hungary to pull things back morally and in every way. And so ironically, ironically, it's certainly, it's surely it's not on purpose, the Biden administration chose a guy named Dave Pressman to be the ambassador to Hungary. So the ambassador to Hungary had a speech and is when he went to serve there faithfully in that country. And of all the things he chose to speak about, this was it. I would like to speak this evening about freedom. And I would like to speak tonight about love. But I cannot speak about them without first speaking of hate. The sad and somber truth is that as we assemble here today, LGBT people are under attack in countries around the world, including in Hungary. Perhaps this is driven by ignorance or hate or fear, or perhaps it's driven by cynicism and expediency. To believe that homophobic vitriol and policies may be born not from conviction, but from opportunism, does nothing to mitigate the harm, but it does tell us something about intentions. Preying on the vulnerable to stir up hatred, to rally supporters, to augment poll numbers, is nothing new in this country or in my own. But the consequences on the psyche and health of individuals, families, communities, and of nations are real and devastating. Isn't that amazing? And you know, you have to know that the United States, uh, starting with the Clinton administration, and then certainly accelerating during the, the Obama administration, and now off the cliff with the Biden administration, has been exporting uh, lesbianism, homosexuality, for as long as I can remember. Uh, insisting that amb- embassies raise uh, gay flags, that was even under President Trump, Rick, Rick Grinnell, who was the ambassador to Germany, made sure that tried to force and managed to, really, uh, American embassies all, all, all around the world to fly gay flags. We have exported our perversion, uh, and uh, now we're just sort of wallowing in our own here at home. How did we get here? And what kind of help was required to make that happen? Well, coming up next, my second uh, conversation with Peter LaBarbera. But first, maybe some of you don't realize, I actually didn't, but we're getting near the one-year anniversary of the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Isn't that amazing? And on that occasion, I'd like to take just a moment to recognize that 64 million babies' lives were taken because we passed that law, because the Supreme Court legalized abortion in 1973. We need to pray for those women who have babies that they aborted, who still think about them. Uh, We need to pray for those moms and that they would heal. 
Preborn honors these precious souls who never had a chance to take their first breath. We wonder who they would have become. We've lost an entire generation. But the unfortunate reality is that as the abortion pill accounts now for over 50% of abortions, the battle still rages, maybe in some ways worse. But every day, Preborn's network of clinics rescues 200 babies' lives, offering love, support, and compassion to hurting mothers. Would you? Would you right now consider donating? Not our normal amount, but because of the 64 million babies whose lives have been taken. In honor of that, would you consider donating $64 to honor those lives that we've lost and to keep the unborn lives of those still at risk alive? Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 B-A-B-Y or go to preborn.com slash Sandy, that's preborn.com slash Sandy. You can rest assured that the 100% of your tax-deductible donation will go towards saving babies and mothers. Help us reach our goal of 10,000 new warriors. Just go to preborn.com slash Sandy. All right, so sit back and relax. And uh, this is the second edition of our conversation with Peter LaBarbera on Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness, that we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice. Not social justice, but God's justice, what's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association, a pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. I had zero intention of trying to be vulgar or be profane in any way. I was simply living in joy, living my truth and existing in my body. All right. Well, that's the voice of Rose Montoya, which is probably not her the exact name because it's a guy who has transitioned into a girl and now has breasts. Uh, And of course, that is uh, he, he, because he is a he, decided to reveal those breasts in front of the White House in this beautiful photo op. I don't mean that it's beautiful, but raising uh, his top and doing other things I can't describe. Uh, other people next to him doing the same thing. This was the pride celebration at the, the White House. Uh, but, and you might think, well, that's new. You know, that's, that's a new development, that hanging of the pride flag in the, uh, in the center over the balcony of the White House with the American flag to the side. Uh, we've really come to a very new place, but it's really not new. In fact, just a, uh, not that long ago, there was a very openly gay guy who did a TikTok video at the White House, uh, you know, talking about a day in the life of the White House. Here's what it sounded like. This is a day in my life as a White House intern. Hey, Jenny, I booked you a nail appointment, love. Yeah, I didn't tell you to do that. It's called initiative. <laughs> Hi, White House, this is Cooper. Mm, I don't think so. Oh, doesn't matter. Jen, don't forget to have fun. And me too. I'm here at the White House. I hang out here once in a while. I'm glad he's here. I'm glad he's here. All right, that's the voice of your commander-in-chief. He's glad he's here. And he must have been glad uh, that the activists were at the White House at the Pride celebration. 
This is sick. We have a sick president. This is a sick event, and uh, here we are. Peter LaBarbera is my guest. Peter uh, and I had a discussion earlier this week about kind of the history, at least as much as we could give you, on the LGBT radical movement, and now the uh, the the plus. It's just gotten so complicated; it's hard to keep track. But Pete writes for World Net Daily. Well, it's called WND now instead of World Net Daily. He's the founder of the Americans for Truth about homosexuality. He probably has the biggest collection of history on this movement of anyone in the nation. Probably has more working knowledge about it. And he joins me again today for the part two of our discussion. Pete, thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you, Sandy. Thanks for the opportunity. All right. When we talked uh, the last time, we talked a lot about uh, how this started. And I, I, we talked about schools. We talked about media. Uh, we did not talk about the corporate involvement. And we didn't really get into the people's involvement in all of this and how they're responding. And I want to do that in this discussion. Let's first go. You just re- recently wrote a book about a book. You wrote an article for WND about Fox uh, Fox News and their particular treatment of uh, Gay Pride Month this year and in the past. Well, I have a lot. <laughs> we have to start with that, uh, Peter. What what's different? What are what are they doing differently than in past years? Well, uh, what's happened now is Fox, through its owning corporation, Fox Corp. Fox News has now joined the other mainstream media in celebrating gay pride, or not just gay pride, LGBT pride on air. Uh, they have a reporter, Brian Jennings, uh, Brian Yenis, who's openly gay, and he seems to be their go-to guy, and they've done several things. This began in 2021, where they're doing Pride Month celebrations in June. Now, last year, Sandy, I believe it was last year, Yenis did a show about a family with a, a girl who transitioned and told her parents at age five she she knew she was a boy and they ultimately went along with it and they promoted child gender transitions in the story that it looks she she because it's a she uh is about is now like a teenager uh teenager and Brian Yannis ends uh, the uh, the segment by saying that talking about uh, you know where times are changing and and we should do this in the name of love. So we should promote gen- child gender transitions in the name of love. This is Fox News, and this is such a shocker because I've been documenting Fox News moral drift for now two going past two decades, Sandy, and I'm sure you've seen it all as well. I wrote a paper for Cliff Kincaid and American Survival uh, on in 2011 about Fox's support for the National Lesbian and Gay Jurors Association, which is sort of they're trying to make it like a professional organization for LGBT journalists, but it's really an advocacy group which pushes the transgender pronouns and all, all the politically correct lingo for this agenda. But Fox has been financing that for years. But they've this is like the Rubicon here in twenty in twenty twenty one when they actually started celebrating gay pride, even gay Christianity, so called. They're promoting that, Sandy. There was a guy named Mike Michael Tom, I think it's Michael Tamero his name. He's a senior VP of marketing and they brought him on air to do a sympathetic interview with a with a, a homosexual pastor, reverend, and he who said that God loves me just who I who I am. And yes, God loves people, but God does not love our sin. And so it's it's incredibly shocking for me to see Fox News, which once was thought of as the conservative bastion, you know, the one network 
that was conservative against all the liberal mainstream media now taking this turn and even promoting radical transitions for transgender transitions for children. I, let's dig into this a little deep, more deeply. I mean, you actually show Brian Yennis is doing, I didn't know Brian was gay. Now this is news to me. So now he's doing a series for a lot of the shows on Fox. He was with, on with Dana Perino and he was on with Fox and Friends. And you describe the response of Ainsley Earhart, who claims to be an evangelical Christian. That's been kind of her moniker, Bible studies at Fox. Uh, And I could say a lot about that. That's kind of disturbing. But uh, she responds to that in a certain way. Why don't you describe how she responds? Yeah. Okay, so we're talking that episode with Michael Tamaro, who's, this is, you know, you're in media, Sandy, when you bring on a uh, an executive, you know, a marketing guy, that's normally the reporter job, but they brought him on, I forgot to say, because he's openly homosexual, Michael Tamaro. And so he got this interview with this, I believe his Reverend Peters is his name. And, uh, you know, this is, they're promoting, he was in the, the, this goes back to Tammy Faye Baker. She converted and became, in a sense, and became pro-homosexual. And he had a famous interview with her in which she you know, in that whole story. Um, and, and so this is an interview with Reverend Peters, but again, it's this gay Christianity, which, as you know, they've been pushing for decades now, trying to say that the Bible is neutral or pro-gay. They don't want to remember, they don't want to know that there are so many passages in the Bible which affirm, you know, natural male-female sexuality in marriage. There is nothing in the Bible that affirms transgenderism, that affirms homosexuality, and yet you see these efforts because people are trying to rationalize their sinful lifestyle. And so they do this interview with Michael Tamaro, and then they um, actually, I'm, I'm wrong. Let me correct that, Sandy. This was a different one with Brian Yennis in which he came on after. It wasn't that interview, but Brian Yennis did the story. Um, maybe it was another one where he interviewed an executive, the first openly gay baseball player in the major leagues. And it was a, it was a celebratory piece on the first openly homosexual major league baseball player and I think that was the one. And then they brought him on in an after interview with the Fox and Friends. And then Ainsley Earhart says, you know, what a wonderful story. And I may be confusing some of the details. And I'm sorry for that. But the point is, you have Ainsley Earhart, who is, you know, she does Bible studies for Fox. And, you know, here you have an openly devout Christian. Is that, that's what we all have seen. And she's basically saying, here's a wonderful story that's pro-homosexuality. And I think that's troubling for people of faith because they want to see consistency. They want to see the people who are openly Christian, and, and they're happy to see Christian people on Fox and any other network. But, but it's painful to see them sell out just because this is such a powerful sin movement, this gay and this transgender movement. Well, teaching, teaching moment. Uh, the, uh, seriously speaking, you cannot trust Ainsley Earhart then. You can't. That's what it always tells me, that you can't. I mean, I knew that already, but people should know by now if uh, if a Christian is willing to do that and compromise uh, on the air like that, and you, there's another way you could have said it. There's another thing you could have said. Or you could have said nothing, and so that means you cannot trust her. So just telling you, that's these are the lessons we learn from this. There's a problem there. But, you know, Peter, I, uh, this is a pretty, I think, important story, and I go back to our own personal history. I don't think I said in this particular episode that you and I worked together at CWA. I was the president, and you worked for the culture. You worked with our Culture and Family Institute. And I would say it's not uh, overstating it to say that CWA was on the forefront of this issue. We were out night after night, my whole staff, 
not my whole staff, but at least four or five of us were debating on this issue because gay marriage was hurtling down the path and we were trying to do everything we could. And we were the hardliners. We were the biblical. We believed in God's word on this and we never wavered. Uh, and okay, So um, uh, I want to say that the day that the Lawrence versus Texas decision broke, I was in my office at CWA and uh, at Lawrence versus Texas legalized sodomy in Texas. And the gay rights activists knew that this was a necessary goalpost for them to knock down in order to get to gay marriage fully being passed through law. It was a whole legal strategy. And we knew that. And so I turned on Fox right away in my office. And Pete, you, you remember that office. I turned it on, sitting on that couch, and I, I see Fox, fair and balanced is what they used to say, fair and balanced. And there were not one, not two, not three, but four attorneys on the set all praising the decision. Uh, we, so we called immediately. We called Bill Shine at Fox News and said, Bill, you say that you're fair and balanced. But I'm watching not one, not two, not three, but four attorneys all in favor of this decision. There is another viewpoint. And so they invited me that night to come. It was on Hannity and Combs, which is one of their big shows at the time. And Pete, this is what happened. I don't know if you were with us when this happened. Uh, they, um, uh, they put me off. Now, I've been on the show a million times. I did a lot of media, as you know. We got treated beautifully by the media. We we, they ask us to appear all the time. And I'd already I'd been on Fox a ton, CNN, lots of the other networks. But they pushed my interview to the end and kept putting it back and putting it back because I'm sitting in the chair forever, which, you know, that happens. We, we get to the point where there's just a few minutes left in the show. And I only have a few minutes to make the case that no one else is arguing out of this very important decision. And while I'm making this case... They actually turned my face green. And I mean green, like mm. the Wicked Witch of the North. And it was just my face. It wasn't anything else on the set. It wasn't my hair. It was just my face. Well, I didn't know that until I got back to the office the next morning. Uh, and that's, um, that's, when, that's when I... That was a turning point. Um, but I'm trying to say that Fox has always been bad on this, not as openly, but they've always been bad. They've been lo- had lots of activists there. They would let me come on and speak, and I'm sure they probably, uh, you probably represented us too at times, uh, Peter, doing that. But um, they were, they already had a whole network of uh, staff that was really angling to to mainstream this. Uh, so Fox has was not always clean. But I think we're, what could we say about Fox now, Peter? It's come so far. I don't think we can watch it anymore. Do you? Well, can I give you some kudos first, Sandy? Because you said something, which at the time I sort of doubted a little bit, but now I see the wisdom of it. I remember you telling me that there are people who are sexually compromised. In other words, you know, or, or just maybe they've had, you know, uh, fallings in their Christian life or what have you, uh, will, will be the most likely to sort of embrace this because they feel like, well, who am I to judge, right? And that I saw come true in the latter years. But in that instance you were talking about there, that was probably just some gay activist working at Fox who turned her face green. Um, and I remember um, in, this is, you know, there's lots of tricks in the media um, that we've we've seen. But I think you're absolutely right. And I'm trying to think of the guy, Fox hardly ever, I think only one time I remember, did Fox have an ex-gay prominently on the air? Oh, in in other words, in which the we- sh- Oh, do you remember how we lobbied for that with Stephen Bennett? Yes. Oh, we we Stephen lobbied uh, uh, Bill O'Reilly because he had uh, 
Yes. Rosie O'Donnell on for about an hour. And when he finally got on there, what happened? Steve belittled, O'Reilly belittled him and yeah. tried to make a fool yeah. of Steve Bennett, who's yeah. got the story of coming out of homosexuality and getting married to a wonderful woman and having children. And, and, and O'Reilly mocked it. And it, yes. he really was nasty to Steve Bennett in that episode. Yes, he was. He gushed with Rosie O'Donnell, gave her an entire hour of his show because she was advocating for gay parenting. And that was pretty radical at the time. But with Stephen Bennett, an ex-gay who had a great story, he wasn't having any of it, talked over him. So I think there are other stories I could tell, but I wanted to share that with people. Let me just add one caveat. You know, often what God meant for evil, what man meant for evil, God meant for good. For me, I ended up getting to know Bill Shine through that encounter, and he ended up hiring me at Fox when I left CWA. So that was a good thing, and I never was, I never was asked to compromise anything I believed or felt. So I have to say that about Fox, uh, but um, but this was in the works already. There was a there's just the movement was at work. All right, so Pete, uh, let's talk uh, about. Can some I other... say one more thing on that, Sandy? Sure. The problem also is Fox is based in New York City, which is one of the. I mean, New York City is is one of the gay meccas in the United States. New York, San Francisco, L.A., um, Atlanta. You know, and so I think part of the problem is. When a network that's supposed to be conservative is based in a liberal bastion, especially this issue, people don't understand the lobbying power that the LGBT, starting with the gay movement, had. It's people working from the inside saying, oh, it's basically a lobby movement that sort of takes over institutions. Now we're seeing it in corporate America where you have people saying, hey, look, you need to, you need to do this to, to affirm me. And it's very manipulative because we all love people. If you have a friend in the lifestyle, in the gay lifestyle, transgender, you don't hate the person. You love the person. But they use the personal connections to push the political agenda. That's how the movement advanced so quickly. And that was one of the strategies. That's why coming out was such a huge strategy because they knew that people would be more easy easily manipulated if they, the emotional pull of, well, I'm gay, so and you have to affirm me, and that means you have to, for example, you have to, don't you support gay marriage? Don't you want to affirm your gay friend? And, and it takes a lot of, it takes a certain strength for a person, a certain, almost a, a faith strength to be able to say, look, I love you. I will always be your friend, or or even you know worse, your, your own child. I will always love you. However, I cannot affirm this identity, this lifestyle. A lot of people can't cross that hurdle, Sandy, and that's been part of the problem. I know. And in fact, to, to backtrack just a little bit, we talked about uh, what happened in politics and uh, political scenes. In the White House earlier, during the Bush years, I remember Ken Mailman uh, was a closeted gay man. He was one of the chief advisors to President uh, um, Bush. But we saw, I remember George Allen was a very conservative senator from Virginia, he hired a chief of staff who was gay, uh, but we didn't. I don't think we knew it. It was kind of none of this was open and out. Right. Uh, but suddenly, George Allen changes his position on a gay rights bill. Uh, then we had Dick Cheney, whose uh, daughter is a lesbian, and suddenly it's uh, uh, two thousand years of Christian teaching doesn't matter because now gay marriage. Right. Dick Cheney was the first person to advocate for gay marriage. Do you remember that? Yeah. And, yeah. and we should say because we didn't in our. In our historical show last time, Sandy, gay marriage was really another Rubicon because, you know, once you could say that it's once you could take a, a, a perversion and a sexual sin, which God calls abominable, right, an abomination that that literally means detestable. And it's not just homosexuality, but let's be let's be honest. The Old Testament calls homosexuality, homosexual behavior, sodomy, detestable. Once you could attach that 
to something that's supposed to be sublime, that God created marriage between a man and a woman, and you can say that those two things are consistent and can be categorized in the same in the same word, marriage, well, then, of course, you're going to see a whole bunch of dom- other dominoes fall. And you could see now you could have the teacher who's gay married, supposedly, married to a lesbian, say, a woman who married to another woman, quote-unquote. Of course, you can't say she can't promote that in the classroom because she's married, just like everybody else, right? And nobody talked about a cascade of of things that would happen destructive things that would happen, especially in the area of youth, because of the Obergefell decision and before that. And of course, Obama plotted, the Democrats led by Obama, plotted with the gay activists to take down the Defense of Marriage Act, which we all worked so hard for, especially Bob Knight, who worked under you at at CWA. Um, They took it down, but they didn't want to talk about what would happen afterwards. And now we know, we literally see one in five Gen Zers, that's 18 to 24, 2021 survey, one in five young people aged 18 to 24 identify as LGBTQ. Those numbers are astronomical, and they're really symbolic. They're, they're representative of a dying culture. You cannot have one in five people embracing you know, sex and gender deviance and be a healthy society. No, you can't, Pete. And uh, I find myself going back with, so I think this also, because now you've triggered memories in me, I think that uh, the, the best way to say this is that we fought a bloody battle at uh, CWA over the marriage amendment. We tried to stop, um, we, uh, we tried to stop uh, the gay marriage. Uh, we tried to stop it because we understood all that you're saying. I don't think that any group, with hardly any exceptions that I can think of, uh, thought through and gave the biblical, um, the big old biblical view of this in a deep way more than concerned women for America. And we really worked. I think I certainly left blood on the floor on that on that fight. Uh, and the irony is, Pete, and this is part of the thing too, without going into details because it gives me no pleasure really and truly, to call out names or disparage. But I would say it's fair to say that we were alone with very few exceptions. We could not get our brothers and sisters in other movements and other uh, organizations to take the biblical stand on this. Uh, They wanted a compromise because the White House wanted a compromise because Karl Rove was twisting their arms to compromise when we knew we could have banned gay marriage at that time. Uh, it was very painful to see our brothers and sisters in this, uh, the Christian world and the Christian policy, public policy world, a cave on this issue. It was a really, really big battle. Uh, and uh, that's a battle that we lost, Pete. I will always, I'll never forget that as long as I live. That was a defining issue for me as president of Concerned Women for America, trying to stop that. Yeah, and it may be, it may take a revival, but we always must hold up the hope that that is reversed. And and it was a real hit for me when Trump, um, when he was newly in 2016, he'd won shocker over Hillary. And then he, he in this first interview with, I think it was Leslie Stahl, wasn't it? 60 Minutes. He said that, well, that, that issue has been settled. I think something along yes, those lines. Yes, he did. Lines. That's right. I've forgotten that. And, and it was a shocker for me because he did so well on abortion. And abortion was, what was it, 1973 Roe v. Wade. 
And nobody says that issue's over. And now, look, it's been reversed. And we must. It's going to take a lot of reeducating people and getting them back to the foundations. But we can never capitulate on marriage. And I'll tell you, another great development, Sandy, I don't know if you've seen it. Some of these Republicans who voted for the so-called Respect for Marriage Act, which tries to codify Obergefell in the law, um, we have seen some some pushback among Republicans. They're censuring. I think uh, Tom Tillis is going to get censured, or he maybe already has been in North Carolina. The senator there who voted for the pro homosexual marriage bill. I think this is this recently passed, and and, and Biden signed it into law to great fanfare. Um, I know that uh, Joni Ernst, I believe, supported it in Iowa. Am I? I might be wrong. I think on that, you're right. Yeah. No. No. I a, think you're right. Actually, I think you're right. Yeah. And there's a campaign in Iowa to to say no. Joni, uh, this is not Senator Ernst. This is not something a conservative does. Uh, you cannot run, you know, when you're starting out saying, oh, homosexual marriage, this isn't marriage, blah, 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 and then just flip because you come to Washington and you meet a lot of people who are socially liberal. That's not how um, it's, it's supposed to be as a Christian. No. And I, w- we, I should explain, Peter, that uh, the, the Supreme Court reached the the opinion, the Obergefell opinion, that gay marriage was legal through lots of machinations. And I have to say, I was in the courtroom the day it was argued, and our side was pathetic. Our side was pathetic. That's a whole other issue. Uh, The left was smart, 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 and they argued smartly. Our side was, they confined their arguments to things that were not passionate or deep, and they lost. So the respect for me— And they said there was animus— and that's a, that's a, and that's all the Supreme Court decisions, and of course Justice Kennedy, who was the biggest gay activist on the bench, Anthony Kennedy, appointed by Reagan, by the way, um, and I, I imagine there's a, a, a connection in his family somewhere or a friend uh, that what we were talking about earlier, uh, uh, maybe a homosexual relative of some somebody, you know, he was lobbied, maybe it was his own clerks, um, but Kennedy became the uh, the gay activist on the bench, and every single decision that he was part of. I think most of them cited animus as if our the basis for us opposing, for example, the changing of the sodomy law or, uh, you know, the, the striking that down or homosexual so-called marriage or Romer v. Colorado, which was the right to organize, to organize on, on the basis of our, of our moral beliefs. They struck that down, Sandy. That 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 and saying saying it was all based on animus, which is which makes it sound like we just hate people. And so we've we've been we've paid a price because the media has such power and so few people and I, I have to say so few conservatives are willing to take on the media on this issue. And I think it's starting to change because people are saying, Wait a minute, we didn't sign up for this when we said we support tolerance. We didn't sign up for girls. Uh, in their teenage years or young 20s having mastectomies on their healthy, life-giving breasts. We didn't sign up for that. We didn't sign up for uh, drag queen story hours. We didn't sign up for perverts in pride parades or at the White House, you know, stripping to show their fake breasts uh, because this is what transgender activists do. We, We didn't sign up for any of that. No, we didn't. And we've got people like Matt Walsh, uh, and right, I mean, who's done this great video. Uh, what's that? What's a man? What's a woman? Something like that. Who's it's what gotten? Is a, what is a woman? He's got extraordinary amounts of people watching. And yes, people are speaking up for the first time. I guess it had to get so bad, Peter, to wake people up. And for that, you know, we'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. And now the the, the fight is ahead of us to stop this as much as we can. We know as Christians. 
we know that in the end things will get so bad that we will not be able to uh, we will not be able to stop it. But I guess I would say we are the restraining force. The Holy Spirit within us is the re- the great restraining force. And uh, if you don't want to, things to get so unbelievably bad, worse than you can even imagine now, then we have to draw lines in the sand about truth because God's truth is never going to be not true. And it's always going to yeah. be what's best for mankind, best for women, best for men, best for children. It is the best. I think of um, I think of that, uh, the old King James, O Theophilus, there is a mo- more excellent way. That's what Luke says. Um, let me tell you about it, a more excellent way. God's way is a more excellent way in order to enjoy and, and just uh, what God has given us and the lives he's given us uh, here on earth. And so we continue to fight. We won't stop. Peter and Barbara, well, now, I think we could have done a third show, but we're going to save that. <laughs> Peter is the founder. Uh, is is America's for Truth still active, Peter? Yes. I'm, I'm, the website is Americans for Truth, all written out, F-O-R-Truth.com. Uh, but I'm doing a lot of my writing now for WorldNetDaily.com, and you can just find my author's page, and it's got all the articles. Okay, very good. All right, Peter, LaBarbera, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you for your time today, and we'll do this again soon, okay? Yeah, and thank you, Sandy, for staying strong all these many years. High compliment from you. Thanks, Peter. Thank you. Well, that was quite a discussion with Peter LaBarbera, and I, I'm hoping that uh, you learn something, and you certainly understand now when I talk about these issues, kind of where I'm coming from. This is an issue that I have not spoken about much in the last several years, only because it's so deep and wide, and I have so much to say that I have kind of think I've waited until I had the proper time, which was probably a big, big mistake because I do know a lot about this, and I do care deeply about it. But today we're trying to make up for lost time, uh, because this is Pride Month uh, 20, of 2023, and it's time to speak up and speak out and bring, hopefully, God willing, my expertise and historical knowledge on this to, to today's discussion. And Peter, of course, more than I. So I hope you enjoyed that. We want to thank you for listening. And also, remember, you can call us at 662 662- Eight two one two zero four zero. That's six six two eight two one two zero four zero. Or you can write us at sandy at afr.net. That's sandy at afr.net. Or you can go to sandyreels.com for more information. You know, history was made on June twenty fourth of twenty twenty two when a fifty year old law was overturned in a landmark ruling, and that was Roe versus Wade. Preborn lives matter today, and we need to make sure that they matter tomorrow. As we celebrate the one-year anniversary of the fall of Roe versus Wade, let's continue to do our part. Let's reflect, recommit, and reinvigorate our resolve to unite and do more. 63 million people, little people, unborn people, were taken as a result of the passage of that law. And we're asking if you can, in, in honor of those babies, uh, make a donation of $64 to Preborn. Can you do that? Are you able to do that? If you can, go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. All right. Well, stay tuned because in a second, my sweetheart is going to join me. We're going to talk about the things that we learned from Peter LaBarbera. Don't go away. Sandy Rios 24-7. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Rios back with you, and this time my, my sweetheart is with me. Hi, sweetheart. Hi. These are tough topics, aren't they? They are. 
and you've been at it a long time, really, since I first met you. This was one of the very first bikes I saw you take on. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, just truck. I think probably part of that, is, uh, Bruce, is that we're realizing, and I've learned because I, as I've become more of a uh, more had gained more understanding through all of these years that the reason this issue is so important is because the whole issue of gender is really a Satan's, I believe, last dagger in the heart of God's creation. Because in Genesis 1, God created us male and female, created he them. The whole world is based on that role of creation. And so this is like the final dagger that I think Satan is just wiggling around in the heart of God, hoping to destroy the whole notion. And I think he's behind all of this. But um, practically speaking, what, what did you think about some of the things that what struck you about what Peter said in this second edition with him? Well, I think um, the lobbying power of the LGBT movement and how it comes from inside organizations. You know, we, we were talking about Fox News seems to be going sideways on this. Well, we probably shouldn't be surprised because there's been a long infiltration done by the LGBT movement into almost every organization, law enforcement, uh, universities, medicine, you name it, uh, the ministry, um, no matter where you go. So why should we be surprised that a news organization should start to be infiltrated and now that agenda is rising to the top? And actually, Bruce, this is a Marxist technique. Uh, I don't know if Karl Marx, Marx actually penned this. I think he did. But it was called the Long March through the institutions, and it's a strategy where you take over the the like the heads or the boards, you infiltrate, and you do it. It's a long march. You take your time as long as it takes, and you make progress, and you make progress. Uh, and so that's what the LGBT activists have done. They've they've imitated that, and as you said, infiltrated the offices in D.C., the White House, uh, all of it. It took some time, but now they are taking. Uh, the, and a lot of this bad stuff comes from, like, the uh, the top, like the boards. They'll infiltrate, like, now the, the boards of these corporations, or they'll put in place a lesbian CEO, or, you know, so it, it is, it's a plan, a strategy. It's a long march through the institutions. Well, any organization reflects its leadership. And, uh, you, you know, you've seen that. I was, I was in the FBI. I've watched the leadership go downhill ever since... Director Mueller took over. And so that's 20 years ago. And I think a lot of these organizations are reflecting that. It's slow, it's incremental, but it gets there. And this whole woke movement, if you'd have asked each if we'd have asked ourselves 20 years ago, would we be where we're at with corporate um, ideas? I think we would have laughed. We'd have been astounded. And now, if you don't toe the line, uh, you're threatened with being fired, um, removed from your positions. Uh, the, the woke movement is getting so strong, and it it reflects really what's going on with the LGBT uh, movement. Uh, they've taken their time, and they've gotten into almost every organization. Yes, and we see the effects of that. So I think that explains it probably better than anything. Um, I, I think, uh, is there anything else about Pete that you want to say? Well, I think what illustrates that is his statement about one in five people now in certain age groups 
are starting to identify themselves as LGBT. One in five, twenty percent. The, you know, the statistics on on gay people is maybe one to two percent of the population is considered to be gay. Now we're at twenty percent. That that is because it is being green lighted and not just green lighted, but promoted that it's cool to be LGBT. It's if you want to get noticed, if you're a, if you're quote unquote a nobody, you want to get noticed, come out as LGBT. Boy, you'll get noticed. Yeah. And you'll but. get treated better. You'll <laughs> get treated differently and you'll get treated better because people are afraid to mess with to say anything against this movement. Well, they have been, but I do think things are changing and you guys out there are finding your voices, you're finding your courage at school board meetings around the country. Uh, you're finding your courage and turn, you know, just standing up and pushing back. I, you know, Bruce, we, uh, I, there are two stories. One happened in Massachusetts. It's a group of middle school students who were <laughs> going to be forced to celebrate Pride Days. You know, they're doing parades at school and all these celebrations. And these kids, this group of middle school kids, and it was not an insignificant group, got together on their own without their parents and decided to wear red, white, and blue to school. And they said, they were saying that their pronouns were USA. They would not participate. And so that's that's Massachusetts. That was the first state to legalize gay marriage. And then in Glendale, California, the other state, which was right in the pecking order, there were a group of high school students. Uh, did you see that, honey? I did. And in my old stomping grounds of Huntington Beach, California, uh, a teacher in math started showing a film about people, lesbians kissing. Now, Huntington Beach is, is not known as a bastion of conservatism, but the kids started booing, and they were saying, why are you showing us this? Why are you showing us this? This is a middle school. They're saying, we want to learn math. We don't want to watch two women kissing each other. Yeah, so I'm encouraged by that. If the kids are fighting back even on their own, and if we have fi- adults are finding their voice and parents are going to school board meetings and people are going to vote, right? You're going to pay attention and vote, right, friends? Okay, so I, I, I may, I'm the consummate optimist that we don't know the mind of God. Uh, I think he can judge this country while still bringing renewal in some places in some ways. So uh, let's not give up. Let's not give up. And uh, I want to thank you so much for listening. We just appreciate it so much. You know, you can find us at... Uh, Sandy Rios 24-7. You can go to any podcast platform uh, and you can find us at sandyrios.com if that's easier. sandyrios.com Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Sandy Rios 24-7.